Hello, listeners, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I'm your host for today's episode. Before we get into the episode, I just want to remind you that the AC Conference is back. We're calling it Branded Rethinking Identity. For all the details and information, you can head to apologeticscanada.com slash events and check out the conference. We'll be holding it in both BC and Saskatchewan in 2023. As we get into today's episode, New Year's Eve is right around the corner. And with the new year comes new resolutions. But it begs the question, why do we wait to the end of the year to try and make a change? And when we fall off the horse, what is it that keeps us going? Or do we get back to it? Well, this begs the question on today's episode, has the old really gone and has the new really come? Welcome to the AC Podcast. Enjoy the episode. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I'm here today with Andy and Steve. Uh, listeners, I hope that you guys had a merry, merry Christmas. I, I, I know that I did. My family and I, we, we always enjoy Christmas. It's, it really is my favorite time of the year for a number of reasons. But I think one of the biggest ones is just, I think if there were any level of traditions and that sort of thing in my family, this is the Christmas is definitely the time you notice it the most. And so this year we all had our matching Christmas pajamas. And honestly, I, I'm not going to take mine off for the rest of the year. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, Troy. I don't know about you guys, but this year, like I was really looking forward to Christmas. So I, I was full Christmas. So I, I was, I was just fully into Christmas, like in November. I got the lights up, man. <laughs> yeah, tree yeah. up, you know. So I, I don't, I don't want to say goodbye to Christmas quite, quite yet. Like, I, I don't know about you. There's just something. There's just something about the season of being with friends and family and just getting to spend time mm-hmm. with each other, uh, and and just having a moment to rest. I mean, our society is just so fast paced. It's Very. like those moments of rest with each other. You're just like, man, I I need I need more of that in my life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of fast pace, really, this is the time of the year, right? When for a lot of people, including myself, this is a bit of a black hole of time, right? You lose all sense of time. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what, what the date is. I like, I, I don't, but then you know what? I actually don't mind that. Uh, I don't mind being in that kind of not having to worry about time, what day mm-hmm. it is, just kind of enjoying people around me. I'm just like, yeah, I can, I, I can do that for a week or two. I like that actually. It's just hard to come out of that sometimes, you know, where you're like, <laughs> it's like the the clock turns, Christmas is over, and it's it it, and it's not like I love like we love working with at AC, but it's the, always that trying to come out of that holiday mode. Where I know for me, the best way for me to get out of a holiday mode is make sure I get changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the food coma. And oh, the get you know playing games with each other, just hanging out. It, it's good, you know. It's the way it's supposed to be. So even yeah. as much as we love working at AC, it's still hard to even come back to <laughs> the AC, right? Because you're like, man, yeah. it's just that's. But that's the way it should be. I always think of those moments as just a little taste of heaven. Like this is the this is the way it was always meant to be. Loving God, yeah. loving people. Um, that that's the season that we look forward to. One day that doesn't that doesn't end. Yeah. Uh, you know. So. On, on that note, one of these days, uh, we need to do a series on heaven, man. I've been reading lately mm. on, on you know, different uh, perspectives on heaven. So who knows? Maybe that'll maybe be coming here in the new year. That'd be cool. Mm. That'd be very cool. Uh, speaking of that, maybe we should just say, you know, with the new year coming, uh, if, if listeners are like, man, there's some 
things that you're like, well, I'd love to hear AC team speak on this. You know, feel free to feel free to reach out. Yeah, maybe I'll, uh, you know, listeners pay attention to our Instagram. I'll throw up a a post and and maybe something in our stories where you can, if there's some topics you'd like us to talk about on the AC podcast, because we we got a big planning meeting for the podcast coming up right away in the new year. So we're we're actually really excited to be able to do our yearly prep to to try and tackle some topics. Looking forward towards our ACLE. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's the Apologetics Canada Literary Expedition, where we look at a topic or a specific book and just discuss it in uh, discuss it, talk about it. And so maybe maybe I'll do that. I think I'll do that. And so listeners, you can interact on there and let us know um, some ideas that you might have. But speaking of the new year, it is right around the corner, and it, we figured it would be fitting to to speak on the the proverbial new that is in <laughs> that is in the air, where everybody's thinking about their resolutions and reflecting on the year. And uh, we're asking the question, is the old really gone and has the new really come? Because I think sometimes when we get around this type of year, there, there is this pressure. There's this weird pressure that's in the air that all of a sudden, I got to have something that I want to change in the new year. And you got people making promises to themselves and others that I really don't think have a lot of grounding. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I agree, Troy. New, new Year's? Is like an identity crisis that comes every year, <laughs> every right? Year. Every because year. it hits you in a couple of ways. One is, what am I going to do on New Year's? You know, am I going to ring in the holidays uh, alone, or what am I going to do? Sort of idea, and it's always weird because even if you do hang out with somebody, you never hang out till midnight, or it's rare that you do, and then you're just like, <laughs> I gotta get some sleep. It's just a yeah. weird. It's just a weird holiday, right? And then it's the so whole weird. time you're also thinking about, you know, kind of redefining your life or kind of, you know, it's like renovating an aspect of your life, maybe is a better way of putting it. You know, what part of my life do I want to improve on, you know, this year? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do some weird stuff. Sometimes, sometimes it's just, you know, it's kind of like a new year's resolution just to have a new year's resolution. I did a weird one once, uh, where I don't know why I, it'd be be interesting to go back and talk to myself on this one and be like, why did you do this? But I I chose that I was going to not eat candy for a year. Oh, oh, and wow. uh, I know. And people who know me, <laughs> like candy rhymes with Andy for a reason. Right? Like, <laughs> like yeah, I love, who, I love. <laughs> what's that? I was going to say, anyone who's come to the leadership summit, you know that there is. Uh, we'll we'll have maybe a, a a book you can read and a box full of snacks that, that you can sort it. <laughs> I know every time my mom comes, I know where I get it because whenever my mom comes to visit, man, she brings like this bag of candy. Uh, so I I love I love some candy, but so you know, one year I, I went without it. Now now, truth be told, that year I drank a lot of pop, and <laughs> you know, I I I still got my sugar consumption just from a different way, right. But I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like, you know, why, why would I, why would I do that? And just, it's interesting. Some of the new year's resolutions that we put on ourselves or that we want to do or change. And, and really, I think what we're getting at here is asking those deeper questions of why and, and how does this actually reflect on how we see ourselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, with the studies that I'm doing right now, actually, there is a fair bit of overlap because the area that I'm studying right now is transhumanism. And in transhumanism, there's that pulse, right, underlying all of that, which is always faster, smarter, better, more beautiful, or whatever it might be. 
and I do see uh, some similarities there between that and the way we make New Year's resolutions because we want to improve ourselves. This is such a like a you know self improvement kind of a culture that we're living in, which is actually not really universal, right? I mean, it's it hasn't it was more common in the past for people to just kind of accept their lot in life and try to do your best within within the thing. But we live in a culture that's a lot more individualistic. Uh, in the West, especially, you have to make something of yourself. And mm-hmm. there's this sense that if you don't make New Year's resolutions, you're somehow falling behind because everybody else is doing it. Right? So there's that kind of a cultural peer pressure too. Yeah. Would you say? I, I would agree. There's definitely a, a cultural peer pressure. And, and while we're on it, like I was you know, looking up, I'm like, okay, well, where did this whole New Year's resolution thing, where did this idea come from? And and so I don't know if this is 100% true, of course, but it is said that the ancient Babylonians were the first people to make New Year's resolutions. They were also the first to hold recorded celebrations in honor of the New Year. Though for them, the year began not in January, but in mid-March when the crops were planted. So during a massive 12-day religious festival known as Akitu, the Babylonians crowned a new king or reaffirmed their loyalty to the reigning king, and they also made promises to the gods to pay their debts and return any objects they had borrowed. These promises could be considered the forerunners of our New Year's resolutions. But then uh, a similar practice occurred in ancient Rome after the reform-minded emperor Julius Caesar tinkered with the calendar and established January 1st as the beginning of the new year, circa 46 BC, named for Janus, the two-faced god, whose spirit inhabited doorways and arches, January had special significance for the Romans. So I don't know if that's 100% true or legitimate, but I think it's at some point, in some way, shape, or form, it, this has been going for a very, very long time. But it's really interesting that, yeah, the end of a, a cycle year is when people want to make promises to change things. And can I just say... That I like that idea of returning things that you've borrowed. <laughs> uh, maybe, let's let's bring that back. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, let's those go. of you listening to this, you know who you are. Yeah, man, you you. So some people, I tell you what, I I've stopped letting people borrow my books because uh, they're not borrowing them; they're just taking them. Let's yes. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want Sophie? my books back. <laughs> Sophie, if you're listening to this, I want my book back. Love you. Appreciate you. But you haven't babysat our kids since you took the book. So I want it back. That's funny. Oh, you know, one of the things I do uh, when whenever people borrow my books is I'll just take a picture with them, like holding the book. Well, I know. Me too, Steve. But now phone. I just got a bunch of pictures and still no book. Man. <laughs> like, give me my no, book back. Be enforced. <laughs> Now, now my storage is full and my bookshelf is empty. I know, I know people are looking at my bookshelf going, man, I think you're doing just fine on books. No. Yeah, my no. books are like my children. <laughs> I want my kids back. <laughs> I want my kids back. Uh, Here's the thing, though. Just because we have, you know, a long tradition of people making New Year's resolutions and things like that. I mean... We're not, I don't think what we're saying here is the New Year's resolutions are bad or, or anything like that. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm constantly making new resolutions in my life. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be uh, New Year's. I mean, one of, one of uh, for me, this has actually been an interesting time of my life because I just got done doing my PhD last year. And after giving my brain a break, 
I'm kind of like in this new season of my life going, man, I actually get to direct my my studies now to my own interests and desires in a way that I haven't before. And so I've kind of been rethinking, okay, how am I going to structure my study time? For those that know me, I tend to wake up in the morning and that tends to be uh, when I uh, read and write uh, the most because that's when my mind is most active. And so, you know, rethinking that and trying, and you know, because I think that we do have these different moments in our lives where the rhythm has changed, right? Whether or not you've Mm -hmm. got kids in your life now and you haven't had kids before. And so you're just trying to figure out how do I sleep more, right? There's, you know, others of us that, you know, our kids maybe are older. So it's kind of this new, you know, I'm in a new season or maybe your kids have left the house. And again, it's this new season. So I I feel like we're constantly in those new seasons and kind of recalibrating, you know, what what do I want to value and and put my time and effort into? But I think where things can get off track here that we want to just, you know, bring to people's attention and think about is how is your identity getting getting wrapped up into this and being defined by this? Because I see I see that being one of the the major issues that happen in our culture. That this isn't just about interests. This is about identity. Yeah, where where people will almost, you know, you introduce yourself to somebody and immediately the, it goes into like, oh, what do you do for work? And it becomes this like measuring contest of what who's the most impactful, who's making the most money, who's whatever. And so, you know, right around New Year's, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, have you made a resolution? Have you, have, what are you going to change? What are you going to give up? What are you going to, and I think like we're, like we're saying earlier, I think people haven't really sat with it. And and I think there's also a side of it where people are actually afraid to admit, like, I actually don't necessarily have anything that I want to give up. And even, even in that, even that can open up another conversation. Like there's nothing in your life that you would like shifted or changed. But as you said, Andy, identity, I mean, it's at the heart, it's at the heart of it in, in every way, shape or form. Like, are you giving this up just to give it up? Or are you giving it up? Because there is a transformation necessary for what God may be calling you to in this next season, you know, a greater level of discipline as, as my wife and I are learning. Um, it, it's not just a matter of giving up something. It's like, what, what are you replacing it with? You know, like Andy traded out candy for pop. It's it, <laughs> right. Like if the goal was less sugar, it wasn't fulfilled. <laughs> we failed. We failed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It depends on what it is that we give up too, right? We often think in terms of you know, when we think about resolutions, we sometimes think about you know the Lent season. Christians love to give up coffee or chocolate or whatever it might be. I wouldn't say love, um, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, Steve. You, you love to hate to do it. Um, a number of years ago, though, uh, Pope Francis came out saying, you know, this year, give up selfishness, give up greed, right. give up, right. right? Like, so sometimes we think about the, you know, the things that we are sort of, you know, kind of, addicted to in a socially acceptable manner, right? We, we want to give those up. But what about those other things? Because, I mean, in a sense, you can put that, you, you can look at it positively, right? Rather than thinking of it as you giving up greed, you choose to be more generous, mm-hmm. right? You can turn any of those kind of, you know, put a more positive spin to it. And so sometimes I, I think of it in, in those terms, like, okay, what, what exit? What exactly am I giving up? Because mm. um, it's not always about something that you're addicted to. Mm-hmm. 
Now, something that's, I think, critical, though, that's an identity piece here that needs to be talked about, and it ties in with what we wanted to get after today, and that is, has has the old really gone and has the new really come? Because our identity in Christ is not being defined by our New Year's resolutions, right? Like, even the one that you're bringing up there, Steve, this, this idea of giving up greed or, you know, we can, you know, uh, Paul talks about this in uh, Philippians chapter two, and that is uh, crucifying our selfish ambition and our vain conceit. And one of the questions, though, is, is, you know, well, why do I do that? Am I doing that so that the new will come? Or am I doing that because the new has come? Yeah. And th- this is an important distinction that plays itself out in the gospel because you know, you're not changing things in your life or trying to renovate your life in hopes that you'll win God's favor. The, the message of the gospel is you have God's favor. God loves you. And that you have uh, a new identity in Christ. You, we are sons and daughters of the king. We've inherited the kingdom. The, the reality then is, is that the new has come, and it's because the new has come that we then follow after Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, how do you, how, how do we together, right, renovate my heart so that my heart is more attuned to you? That has really important implications, right? Uh, because you can do the exact same thing, but from very, two di- very different places. You can mm-hmm. start from a place of defeat, or you can start from the place of victory, right? And if you guys kind of, watch people play sports you know when players who play because they think they're losing and they have to catch up and the players who think they're they're winning and they're kind of playing from there they look very different mm-hmm. um it might be, not be the perfect sort of illustration but the attitude that you go into it with because what's going to happen when you fail right if you're working from a place of defeat you're going to be like oh i'm worthless Right, I knew this was going to happen. I'm stupid, yeah. right? That sort of thing. But if you're starting from the place of victory, then you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, well, I'll just try again." Right? This one didn't work out. Maybe I'm not supposed to go this way, but what can I try? Like it's a, it's a very different mindset. On that note, this is something that I've been reflecting on lately, particularly given that Troy and I have been working through this series on branded, rethinking identity, uh, you know, an identity series, and that we've all you know been reading through Matthew five to seven. And, you know, this, this Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus gets at a really important idea here that speaks to what you're talking about, Steve, and that is that either your circumstances are going to define your identity, mm. or your identity is going to define your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, and this, the, the, it's a huge difference between these two when you deal with your failures <laughs> and your challenges. So let me just say that again. Either your circumstances are going to define your identity or your identity is going to define your circumstances. Yeah. It, this reminds me so much, like th- this confusion that can come up when people are wanting to change and they just, you know, there's that wrestle of like, okay, I want to change, but I don't actually understand the complexity of why I do these old things. It reminds me of like Romans 7, where um, my one of my favorite rappers, Paul, is spitting flames in uh, starting <laughs> at 14, where he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but I hate what I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. 
For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me who does it. So that sounded very confusing. And I'm certain, <laughs> I'm certain this is where a lot of people kind of feel. You know, there is this desire to, to change the lifestyle. There's this desire to change a way of thinking, but we keep going back to the old self. And I think in the midst of that, you see Paul say something very important where it's, it's sin nature. It is in our sin nature to try and go backwards. If you look at something uh, um, like neuroplasticity, which is the, the new forming of thought patterns in the brain, it's a physical change. But if you really look at it, there's, there's a, you can look at the brain and see the old way that you do things in physical matter is still underneath the new, uh, the, the, the new brain tissue. It's still there. And it's constantly trying to work its way back, which is why you have to continue repeating the new behaviors. And this is that, again, Romans 12, that transforming of your mind. And if we don't really seek to change our minds and allow the Spirit to speak to the way we look at a situation or the way, as we've been speaking about identity, the way we look at ourselves and only pay attention to the, to the behavior, it's going to be very hard to make that last. Yeah, Troy, I... I appreciate what you're what you're saying here because a lot of people think, okay, if the news come, then this is just going to be instantaneous, right? Mm. It's like this overnight fix, and okay, I got Jesus, and so now it's now it's, everything's going to be different, and I'm going to get everything right and and whatnot. But what 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 I hear you saying is like, and I think this is just one of the things that we experience and we need to appreciate is that we are new. But we are still in this, you know, moment of learning new habits and yeah. learning to walk in the spirit. And and it's interesting because this is this is very similar, you know, it's interesting using the brain as an analogy because there are different things that we do, such as walking or learning to ride a bike or those sorts of things, where we have to practice them. We actually have to do them. Mm -hmm. First of all, if you want to learn to walk or ride a bike, you, you, you know, you actually have to do it. And it means you're going to fall down mm. periodically, yeah. you know, and you're, you're going to have moments where you're going to crash, but you got to get back up and you got to keep, keep at it sort of thing. And as you do that, and in the, and the more you do that, you will become better and better at that, at that thing. But to think that, you know, you're just going to get it right the first time or, or you're just going to be able to ride a bike that, you know, your first try it's any parent, you know, has had to sit their kids down and be like, listen, life don't, life doesn't, doesn't work, work that way. way. Yeah. You're going to have to work at it. And I think this is something that's really hard though, for people to appreciate about their faith and walking with Jesus is it takes time and you need to, you need to, you need to keep at it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, speaking of keeping at it, when I tested for my driver's license, you know, the, the written exam, uh, I had to try it four times. Eventually made it happen, <laughs> but I did it four times. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That made me feel better about myself this morning, today. But uh, bless you for that. Yeah, four. Yeah, I wasn't like you know. First time I go in cocky, I'm like I can do this, right? And I'm like, of course I fail. And the next one, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to study a little harder. But then I go there and I don't, I don't remember. And the, and yeah, fourth time 
was the charm for me on that on that one. But it's not the most perfect illustration. <laughs> but you can. Some people right now are feeling good about themselves, and some people are feeling bad about themselves. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, dang, he got it in four. Yeah, that's five. Well, I'm on. Yeah, yeah. I'm on three. I'm on eight. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but but there is there is that sense of when you first walk into it, right? You sometimes underestimate how difficult something is going to be. Yeah. Because you're like, oh yeah, th- this is. Riding a bike, super easy. And then, you know, you get on the bike and you realize, actually, it's not as easy as I thought it was, right? Because yeah. what happens is when you see other people that are riding the bike, it looks easy. Yeah. And you get this all the time in music, don't we, Troy? Because, you know, when you learn an instrument and it's like you watch a guy play it, it's just this super hard stuff, but really because this person is practiced right plays it really easy it looks easy but then you actually sit down and you try to do it it's like oh my goodness how did they do it mm. not even just how did they do it but how can they make it look so easy well it's because this person has practiced over a long period of time this is and, and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but this feels like discipleship 101 not making mm. false promises 100 oh, because uh, and i've and i'm constantly learning this and trying to be conscious of this is don't make a promise that is going to be very difficult to keep, especially just because it sounds good. Like, hey, I'll always be there for you. Hey, whenever you need. No, it's not whenever you need. No, you cannot call me two, three in the morning, you know, just because you're having a a moment, right? We can set up some time. There needs to be boundaries created. It's the same thing with yourself. You know, take something like consistently working out. I, I can speak for so many athletes that once you've finished you know, playing at a university level or a very high level, once you leave your sport, it is very difficult to maintain being disciplined to get active. Because before the context was of your sports team, you, you know, there was an immediate reward. But, you know, now I'm having to consciously say one week at a time, hey, I'm just going to fulfill today. And maybe that's where some of you guys are at. Maybe that's why you haven't fulfilled these goals that you had. We're like every single day this year. Well, things come up. And if your mindset is based around fulfilling the day, you're going to beat yourself up. You didn't complete the day. But if your mindset shifts to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a greater level of discipline in my fitness, or I'm going to have a greater level of discipline in reading the scripture, I'm not going to be so bogged down if I miss a day. When I pick it back up again, I'm not going to lose a step in my desire or in my way of thinking. One of the areas where the, this is really resonating with me right now as I think about what discipleship looks like as a parent, because, you know, you're talking about, you know, driving. I think driving is such an interesting example. So right now I'm in that process of teaching my kids how to drive. And in fact, it was just a few weekends ago that I had my son out on a big empty parking lot and was teaching him how to drive a, a, a clutch, you know, a stick shift. Oh, man. <laughs> and yeah, and you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like if you, it look, it's one of those things where, Driving stick looks easy when you see somebody who's good at it, mm-hmm. but then you get behind the wheel and you quickly are humbled because you're like, that is not nearly as easy as I thought it was yeah. sort of idea. And it can, it can be discouraging for sure. And I, and I can't help but think that discipleship as a Christian looks so similar to that because you, you can look at people in your life where you're like, man, Troy is just awesome. I wish I was more like Troy or uh, I don't know, whoever it might be, right? Like there's just somebody 
in your life that you're like, man, you know, it's like, it's a Dallas Willard kind of person, right? Where you're like, man, I don't know about you. Cause like Dallas Willard just em- embodies for me what discipleship looks like. Like, I'm like, man, I want to be, I want to be like Dallas, you know, uh, it's interesting. Like Dallas's daughter uh, put together a book after he died and it's called the allure of gentleness. And I'm like, now that's, that what a book title, right? To have your daughter go, you know, if I'm going to write about my dad or put together his thoughts, it's going to be the allure of gentleness. I mean, but just a that that question of you know who who are those people that you're inspired by, but realizing, you know, that like driving a car or whatever it might be, it's it's not like following Jesus is just this overnight thing. And mm-hmm. I just think a lot of people get that idea that that and and I think they start to get discouraged and go, has the new really come? right? Has the old really gone? And, and it's, it's, it's challenging. And we need to, we need to appreciate that these sorts of things, discipleship, sanctification takes time. Yeah. It's a process that you have to work at. Loving God and loving people. I know this might sound weird to think about, but it's something you have to work at. Yeah. yeah. It, and you have to, you have to work at it and you have to want to, right? Like you have to have a desire because essentially what you're saying, if I'm going to love God and love people, then my desire is to deny my flesh. My desire is to give up vain conceit and selfish desires and pursuits for the sake of the kingdom. And see, Troy, I think you, that's that what you said there is so cri- critical because notice that you said my desire, right? Because this is what you want. Mm-hmm. It's not what you're trying to get in the sense of, oh, I got to do this to get that identity. No, it's my identity is defining my desires. Yeah. It's defining my circumstances, right? And what, what I'm choosing. Yeah. Cause there's just such an interesting part of the gospel that I think people will, they always seem to struggle with these, right? Like, okay, getting my identity, right. But then allowing my identity to define my desires instead of, you know, we often get it in reverse sort of thing. And then we find ourselves in this identity crisis because we're, again, we're trying to make ourselves into something instead of just finding ourselves in who we are in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there is such a, a lesson to learn there too, Andy, um, just kind of piggybacking off of what you're saying. When you have certain desires, C.S. Lewis would put it this way, right? Well, is this desire you have to be able to actually see whether this desire is good or not you can't just just because you have the desire doesn't mean that you can just go with it right and so that's why like one of the worst pieces of advice that you know the pop culture has given to us over the last several decades is just follow your own heart i'm just like no please don't just follow your own heart please follow don't do that <laughs> your own heart if please your don't. heart is leading you into human flourishing and how are you going to tell what human flourishing looks like? Well, you got to look at Jesus. So follow his right? heart. <laughs> follow his heart. That's right. <laughs> and follow your heart insofar as your heart looks like the heart of Jesus. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like what Paul was saying. Right? Speaking of discipleship, Troy, is, um, well, he said to, to Timothy, like, oh, was, it, uh, was it Corinthians? First Corinthians if, 11 verse 1. That's right. You know, follow after me as I follow after Christ. Mm. So, right? Yeah. Like Paul was only a good example insofar as he followed Jesus. And so don't no, don't just follow your heart. Your desire 
has to be conformed to your identity, yeah. not the other way around. I, I want to encourage listeners. Um, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but remember that Jesus is for you. Like he is for your flourishing. He is for your good. And one of the greatest examples of this, I mean, obviously his life in general, but there's a very specific passage of scripture in John 17. And I really invite you as, as you are thinking about your year, as you are having your introspective moments, but I'll read a, a portion here that it says, John 17, starting at 13, it says, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking that you take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Whatever it is you're choosing to give up, whatever it is you're choosing to pick up, whatever decision you're kind of making, I pray that it would be one that when people see your life, that they would see Jesus. That when they see the sacrifices you make, they'll be a mirror of Christ and the things that he has done for us because he is praying on your behalf. He has prayed for you in this moment that you would succeed and you would not fail. And so I pray that we would align our desires with his heart and not our own ways. So on behalf of all of us at AC, Happy New Year. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning into the AC podcast for the year of 2022. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, and we will happily see you in the new year with many more topics and many more things to think about. So make sure you like and subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms, as well as on YouTube as we transition there in the new year. But until next time, love God, love people. Bye for now.